some major kudos due to Kirk Ferentz and his staff for being able to retain his roster, basically his entire roster, through that early May transfer portal deadline. More on that in a couple of minutes. Plus, an exclusive interview with Iowa defensive back T.J. Hall. Hall, an early enrollee, already making his presence felt in Iowa City. We'll talk with him and Don Patterson coming up after this word from our local sponsor. You may have heard of the real-life Hawkeye Man Cave known as Kinnick Under the Kitchen. Well, after lots of hard work, there's not much space left to paint. But the walls are exploding out for public consumption. Under the Kitchen is proud to announce that you can now purchase exclusive prints of some of your favorite Hawkeye legends, including wrestling great Spencer Lee, football players Tyler Goodson, Riley Moss, and Drew Tate, plus an all-in-one Murray family legacy print featuring Keegan, Chris, and Kenyon Murray himself. Signed and unsigned prints are available, making the perfect collectible or gift for any Hawkeye enthusiast. For more information on purchasing one of these outstanding Hawkeye prints, visit Under the Kitchen on Facebook. That's Under the Kitchen on Facebook. So appreciate Randy Engel and Under the Kitchen for hopping on to sponsor this podcast, this show. Check out Under the Kitchen on Facebook. Uh, he is doing tremendous work. Randy doing tremendous work down in central Iowa, Mitchellville, just southeast of us. All right, so the topic for today transfer portal we've been talking about it for months i've been very critical of kirk ferentz for not targeting more skill position players specifically at quarterback um i've had people say well it was never going to happen i don't know why you talked about it in the first place a fan can hope and that's what i am i'm a fan of iowa football and i look at a guy like gary bohannon who by the way is in the portal right now and is the last starting power five quarterback from 2021 to still be available all right. Emory Jones just got nabbed by Arizona State. I know NIL played a factor, and certainly NIL is a topic we'll continue to encounter. But a guy like Gary Bohannon can make an impact. But here's the deal. That's a topic for another day. I want to discuss something that was brought to my attention by Mike Farrell over at Rivals. And he, of course, follows the transfer portal even closer than I do. Uh, that is his job exclusively, recruiting and transfer portal stuff. And he brought this to my attention. I'll throw this tweet up for you. This is a tweet from Mike Farrell this week, speaking about the lowest entries or the teams with the lowest number of entries into the transfer portal. He says, as I recently mentioned, Iowa and Baylor have had the lowest number of FBS scholarship players enter the portal since 8-1, that's August 1st, with five. That's August 1st of 21. Equally impressive is that if walk-ons are added to the total, they still have the least in the FBS. Iowa leading the FBS with just six. Baylor with seven. Oregon State with eight. So quite a quite a record there. Quite a number, I should say. Um, certainly, it would lend itself to, to tell you that there's some sustainability, some culture strength within this program, regardless of what happened in 2020. And I'm not downplaying some of the allegations that are still out there. And certainly this lawsuit, I do believe that there, unfortunately, may be some ulterior motive with this lawsuit. But I'm not downplaying the actual allegations of some injustice that was going on, whether it be from Brian Ferentz, Chris Doyle, Seth Wallace, whoever, whomever. Um, but I do think those numbers are indicative of a strong culture right now, like it or not. Regardless of my criticism about Iowa not going to the portal to quarterback, that's got nothing. That's, that is a different point altogether. Now, 
Here's another tweet from Mike that I found interesting. He says, dug into the previous two years of stats for Iowa and Baylor to see if this year's numbers are a trend or abnormality. And here are the numbers. So 21-22 season, Iowa, which is five scholarship players entering the portal. 2021, Iowa with just eight. 1920, Iowa with just six. Keep in mind, that was before, yes, before the allegations came out in the summer of 2020, just six players entering the portal from Iowa. Now we know, but we'd have to compare that to the, the the sum of the parts, right? We'd have to compare that to the sample size because the sample has changed, right? The logistics of college football and transfer portal have changed over the last year, over the last couple of years. But the point is, Iowa has not had a mass exodus of players at any point over the last three years. You see the numbers from Iowa and Baylor, 19 players over the course of those three periods from 19 to 22, 2019 to 2022, Iowa and Baylor each with just 19 transfer portal entries. And look at Maryland, it's 27 portal entries this season alone, 27. That's what, over a quarter of their roster? That's uh, insane. That's like a third of their roster. So, Look, here's the deal. Uh, Kirk Ferentz deserves credit for this because I can't speak to what happened behind closed doors, what continues to happen. All we really have to go off of is what the players say now and what these numbers say. And the numbers tell us that players are not itching to leave. All right. Now, there have been some players here and there that I think, you know, unless they go on the record and, and say one way or the other, we'll never know. But Mark Kallenberger leaving early was a bit odd. Uh, given the fact that his brother, especially given the fact that his brother had a run-in with Seth Wallace, his brother Jack Kallenberger was um, accusatory of of Seth Wallace for kind of making fun of him being a, a dyslexic young man, and that that's unfortunate. Um, there have been situations like that. I kind of questioned why didn't Kyler Schott take an extra year here? You know, he didn't get drafted. He's up in Green Bay now trying to to, to fight for a roster spot. But regardless of those decisions, um, the bottom line is, for the most part, Iowa's doing an excellent job, better than almost every school in the country at sustaining a roster. And let's also give credit to the position coaches, because um, we're going to talk about a few players here in a second that could easily have left by now. And if you don't already know, the May 1st deadline, if you wanted to be immediately eligible, if you wanted to be part of that immediate eligibility, that one-time waiver for a player that enters the portal to be eligible for the 22 fall season, you had to enter the portal by May 1st, or you need a waiver. You need an extra waiver. This is not an automatic anymore. So players that enter from now on, if they want to play this fall, they'll need an exemption. They'll need a waiver from the NCAA. So I did expect players to enter, players, multiple. But I certainly expected one or two uh, by early May. We did not get that. And I give Kirk Ferentz, I give Phil Parker, uh, Kelvin Bell um, a lot of credit on these decisions because all these guys, George Barnett's another one. I mean, he's got some guys that could easily have entered and they didn't. So those coaching, that coaching staff deserves tons of credit. I can't be dogmatic about, we can't be dogmatic about the culture, but certainly regardless of criticism. And I think some of it's very much okay. But I think you're right. You have a right to be critical of some facets of Iowa football right now. This is something that Kirk Ferentz deserves major credit and kudos for. So I just want to say that first of all, uh, let's talk about some of the players that decided to stay, at least for now they've decided to, to stay. We know it's been widely publicized, Alex Padilla. Um, he has made it clear that he's here. Um, we thought maybe he would consider leaving after spring. No sign of that happening. 
But how about these three guys? Tyler Endress, a four-star recruit from Norwalk. Why am I bringing up Tyler? Well, if you don't recall, he was recruited by some major programs, Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa State. Again, a four-star recruit. He redshirted in 19, then didn't play in 2020. Red took another base, basically a redshirt year in 2020. And then in 2021, did not see game action. Now, don't know if he's dealing with injuries, but certainly the offensive line hasn't been um, the best it's ever been. Certainly they've been struggling at times, right? Um, and yet Tyler Andrus has not seen the field. So you wonder a kid like this, perhaps he's thinking, hey, maybe I could go somewhere where there's greener pastures. I have a better opportunity at playing time. He has stuck it out. I give Tyler tons of credit. How about Chris Reams? Another guy who has seen some game action, but I mean, did not see time in 2019 as he redshirted. Got hurt in 2020 during that COVID year. Saw very limited snaps in 21. Now, he was not as highly touted at a high school as a guy like Tyler Andrus, but you know he looks apart at 6'7", 270 from Van Meter and has decided to stay at least for now. Give tons of credit to him. And how about this one? He's going to be number one on my list. I've talked about this young man before, Dallas Cradith, and I don't know him personally. I'd love to have a conversation with Dallas. Um, here's a kid who was a four-star kid at a high school, all right? I'll give you some of the schools that offered Dallas, according to rivals. I'll just read them. Duke, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa State, Kansas State, Kentucky, Louisville, Memphis, Michigan State, Minnesota, Ole Miss, Missouri, Nebraska, North Carolina, Northwestern, Purdue, Syracuse, Vanderbilt, Western Michigan, Wisconsin. And how about an offer from Yale? So he's a good student, apparently. He has stuck it out. And Dallas, again, he's a four-star recruit. He's been here. Since 18, he redshirts in 18, sees a little bit of action in, in 19 and 20, um, helps in special teams, you know, into 21, but he, he's been here for over four years now, and he's not, or approximately four years, I should say, he has not really established himself on defense, and yet he stuck it out. Um, I, I, I don't blame any kid for leaving if you think that it's in your best interest. The NCAA allows you to do that. I just don't, you know, coaches can leave when they want. I don't love the portal, how it's set up, but I do think you need to take advantage of it as a coach and as a player. So I wouldn't have blamed a guy like Dallas Creative for leaving had he chosen to do so. But I also really respect him. I respect Reams and I respect Endress and Padilla, for that matter, for sticking it out. Don Patterson said something very interesting during our season finale show over at the Voice of College Football back in January. If you're not going to be first stringer, just be the best darn second teamer or the best darn third teamer that you can be. And a lot of kids these days don't have that mindset. I give those three kids and everybody who stuck it out a lot of credit. The coaches deserve credit, and certainly the players deserve credit for attitude. And again, I think it's a testament to culture. We'll wait and see. I know the lawsuit is still ongoing and whatnot. I know it's a storyline. But uh, things looking up, and despite the fact that Kirk has not gone to the portal very much during the offseason, just one ad. That was Steven Stilianos, and he has lost a few guys to the portal. Nobody besides Tyrone Tracy, nobody that hit, that really saw extensive action last year. I give Kirk Ferentz a lot of credit for retaining this roster and keeping it in place. We know Iowa basketball still looking for a big man in the portal. They've lost out on uh, Theo Akuba, on Fardaz Amak. Who will they get? Will they get somebody? I certainly think they will. That's a topic for another day. But don't lose hope, folks. They will get somebody at that five spot. I'm convinced of that. I do believe that Josh Agundale is going to take a significant step forwards. All right. And I think it's clear because I don't see any reason why Fran would take the guy back if he's entering the portal and he says he wants to leave. 
Um, you're already planning on bringing there. It's clear that I was still recruiting big men in the portal. You've got seven foot Riley Mulvey back for his second year. You've got Owen Freeman, who's six foot 10, six 11 coming in in 23. I don't see any reason for Fran to take Josh back unless they believe that he's going to take a big jump. And I think, I mean, th- th- this will likely be the key year. I mean, if he doesn't this year, I don't, you know, he may enter the portal again next year. And I guarantee you, if he does that, he's not coming back. I do believe we're going to see a jump from Josh. Now, how big of a jump, we don't know. But he does have some good traits. He's got uh, a nice little post-up game. I know he's, you know, his touch has been a problem. I've heard people complain about that. But he hasn't seen the floor much, right? But he's physical. He can play defense. And he seems to have some nice post moves. So let's just wait and see on Josh Agundale. But they will get somebody else in the portal. Mark my words on that. All right, let's talk to TJ Hall. TJ, tremendous young man. You're going to hear that in this interview. But I sat down with Coach Don Patterson and TJ Hall to discuss his decision, TJ's decision to come to Iowa and his goals moving forward. Don Patterson was instrumental in getting TJ to come here. If you don't know the story on TJ, his dad, Terrence, played for Coach Don Patterson when Don was the head coach at Western Illinois. Terrence, a star wide receiver. Iowa recruits TJ out of the San Joaquin Valley down in California. Don Patterson, very instrumental in getting him up here. So without further ado, let's give our attention to an up-and-comer who really made his impact known this spring. Here's TJ Hall. I, I got to ask you a couple questions, TJ. So I'm going to do this a little differently. I've got a few questions that I like to ask incoming Iowa recruits, but specifically you. And I, I want to talk, first of all, about your your high school experience. You haven't had time to really adjust to the climate, but I know Fresno is a lot different than Iowa City. So first of all, what's your what's been your experience? I'm assuming you grew up in Fresno. Yeah, so... Uh... For the most part, grew up in Fresno, uh, moved away, uh, but pretty much been there my whole life. Um, the transition coming from Fresno to Iowa is definitely uh, different. You know, where I'm from, it doesn't really snow like that. You have to drive it by the hour or two. And uh, stepping off the plane, seeing all the snow, feeling the weather, it was definitely different, but it's nothing I can't handle. Um, uh, just from back home, usually it's, it's very hot. Even in uh, December, it was hot uh always sweating but coming to iowa you know i know god won't put me nothing put me through anything i can't handle so i know i'll be just fine tj let me share with you what i used to tell i used to recruit texas years ago when i was at at iowa and of course we had such a great program nobody could ever say anything bad about the football program the only thing that the texas schools would say is it's going to be really cold up there in the wintertime. <laughs> yeah. So I finally figured out a good response for him when I was talking to a Texas recruit. And in your case, a guy, from, a guy from the San Joaquin Valley, I could say the same thing to him. I might say, uh, listen, you can't fool me because I grew up in Texas. What's the season for extreme weather in Texas? It's called summer. And I said, yes, I know what the summers are like. They're brutal. Yeah. And for that matter, a football game in September is not any fun either because – it's also high heat and humidity in September. Yes, sir. And so in the summertime, what do you do? Well, you dress appropriately, mm-hmm. and you don't spend all kinds of extra time outside. Yeah. You try to stay cool and stay indoors as best you can. Yes, sir. And the reason I bring it up that way to these recruits in Texas, and then I simply respond, okay, our season for extreme weather in the Midwest is the winter. Mm-hmm. So what do we do in the winter? The same thing you do in the summer. We dress appropriately, and we don't spend any extra time outside. Yes, sir. And oh, by the way, as you already know, as you already know, TJ, falls in the Midwest are second to none for football. Perfect weather for football in September, October, 
And if you're lucky, even into November, you've got great weather. Yeah. And, uh, of course, you're used to some brutal weather, especially in the month of September in California. Yes, sir. And it's like I came to the uh, my official the Penn State game. It was October. It was like perfect. Yeah, no. ideal weather for football. And the rest of the story, of course, the worst 30 days of the year, you're not even on campus anyway. You're home for Christmas break, and that's after you go to the bowl game. And, of course, the bowl sites are mostly warm too. Yes, sir. So I got to ask you, uh, Don talked about your dad, Terrence, and his exper- experience at Western. But um, I, I know you, Kirk Ferentz even talked about how how big of a role – coach p played in your recruitment it's not often iowa goes out to california yeah and is able to land a kid that was wanted by the likes of arizona washington michigan etc so what sold you on iowa and how just talk about terrence is what your dad has told you about uh coach patterson man he's told me a lot um one started with coach patterson how he came from the hayden fry tree and uh that's a long line and then just Iowa, you know, there's a lot of tradition here, the culture. Um, this is the, the Iowa is the only uh, football team here. And I just love how the fans, they're all in, they're bought in. And every game is sold out no matter what. And then the, the coaching stability, knowing the coaches will be here. Uh, they won't be going either to another place or having another coach every, every couple of years. And then just uh, meeting with Coach Parker and, hearing him and hearing what the knowledge he has for the game and then hearing how here they just are hard workers. They compete every play. And that's pretty much the type of player I am. I'm always competing, always working hard. Now, TJ, are you, are you about 175 right now or is this a little bit low? Uh, a little bit low. You can go up about four or five pounds. Also the height too. I'm six two. You're six two. Okay. Cause I, I saw one, one site had you at six foot, one had you at six two. So I figured I'd split the di- difference on that. So you are a lengthy corner. And I know I'm going to do this a little differently. Normally, Don, I wouldn't have you on here when I interview a, a, an Iowa recruit. But given the special circumstances, I'm going to ask you this question. What are TJ Hall's strengths? Well, TJ, I don't think you'll mind me talking about this. A couple of years ago, your dad, your dad texted me and he said, Coach B, I got a favor to ask. And I said, sure, what is it? And he said, would you do me a favor and take a look at TJ's video from his sophomore season? And I want you to do me a favor and give us some ideas about things TJ should work on. And as you recall, TJ, I did that. And I reported back to your dad. And I'm sure that information got through to you. Yes, sir. And it it wasn't anything that we need to share with the the listeners. But it's safe to say – you know, we were able to think of some things maybe where you have some room for improvement. And, mm-hmm. of course, I know you took those to heart. And that's one reason you still made rapid improvement, even from your sophomore to your junior and now your senior year. And the uh, one of the greatest compliments I could give you, TJ, I recruited a guy years ago from Texas to play at Iowa, and he played corner, and he played it really, really well. And he was taller than the average corner, just like you are. Yes, sir. And his name was Merton Hanks. Merton Hanks, yeah. And he was a great player and a great person. Uh, and he had a chance to to turn down the University of Texas to go to Iowa. Uh, his mom always said that Fred Akers could not understand why a top recruit in Texas would go to Iowa rather <laughs> than go to the University of Texas. Yeah. And I guess the reason is simply, you know, he felt a great sense of, of uh, family at Iowa. And um, he also knew – 
that Bill Brazier was a great defensive coordinator. Now you've got Phil Barker in that role for you. Uh, By the way, there was one other thing I said to a recruit from Texas, and and it's something you alluded to a minute ago, TJ. You mentioned uh, how big a deal it is to play for Iowa, and it's primarily because we don't have an NFL team in the state of Iowa. Yeah. So as I explained to the guys from Texas years ago, we are the Dallas Cowboys of Iowa. And at the time, the Cowboys were – they were America's team. And they knew what I was talking about. It must be a big deal to play for Iowa because if you're a little kid growing up in Iowa, you hope to someday be wearing black and gold. Yeah. And uh, and I know that's what a great thing for you to look forward to is to feel uh, feel very special to wear that uniform mm-hmm. and to have so many people behind you. The entire state of Iowa is behind you. Yes, and, sir. Um, it's a lot you're, to look forward I'm to. looking forward to it, Coach. With TJ being lengthy, I mean, he's, he's a – I'm assuming – you're probably going to end up playing corner at Iowa, right? Am I exactly. right on saying that, TJ? I mean, things can always change. I get that. But, Don, I know you were never a defensive coordinator, but what does length do when you're a corner? Typically, you have a guy like Desmond King, for instance, who's 5'10", maybe 5'11", probably that's generous. So what will TJ's length be able to uh, help him on as far as defensive play? There were times when we were going against corners that could cover, except they simply weren't very tall. And in some cases, I might even tell the quarterback, I don't care if the guy has good coverage or not, go ahead and put it up because those 50-50 balls, we're going to win those because this guy's simply not tall enough to compete against a taller receiver. Uh, Those 50-50 balls, people are going to think long and hard about throwing those against you, TJ. Yes, sir. Because I know you understand the high point of football. Yeah. And I also know for a fact that you got really, really good hands. Great hands. Great hands. Yes, and I know you proved yourself as a high school receiver just like you proved yourself as a defensive back. Yes, sir. Yeah, they, they say they say a lot of DBs can't catch, but I'm not one of those. I know that. And as you noticed, Iowa's defensive secondary in general has good hands. Great hands. Led the we don't pass up many opportunities, do we? Yes, no, sir. I wonder where you got those hands from, TJ. <laughs> Maybe mom. <laughs> but your mom had good hand-eye coordination too, didn't she? Because she was an athlete too, right? Yes, sir. Mom was an athlete, too. The whole family was pretty much athletes. Mom was a softball player. Yep. And well, you she got was to have good hand-eye coordination to hit a softball. Yeah, she was at Western. She didn't play softball at Western, though. Okay. So, current def- defensive back room, TJ, um, just to name a few, of course, Riley Moss returning. Kayvon Merriweather will be back. Obviously, uh, X, as everybody's calling him, Xavier Wampa. But, I mean, Conan Trader and then, of course, um, or Cohen and Tringa and Tringer. Man, I have a hard time pronouncing his name already. Um, and then, of course, Orlando Trader. I can go down the list. Jamari Harris. Are you close to anybody in that group yet? Yeah, pretty much um, a lot of them. Xavier, he's my roommate. Um, okay. me, me, him, Orlando, and Cohen, uh, we have a group chat. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to getting closer with Riley Moss, Kayvon Merriweather, uh, Terry Roberts. He was my. Uh, my host when I was a recruit. So I'm pretty close to him, but I'm just looking forward to getting even closer with everybody. And if there's anybody that's going to teach TJ Don about working hard to earn playing time, it's a guy like Terry Roberts who has busted his butt on special teams that's for true. what, three, four years now, Don. Very true. And you know, the nice thing about our scheme, as you're well aware, TJ, our basic um, defensive structure is five defensive backs, right? Yes, sir. The cash position. I read something in the paper just the other day. There's some discussion about about our experienced corner 
move into that cash position. Maybe he's better suited to be that inside defender that's typically lining up over a slot. Uh, maybe maybe Riley could be better suited to play there, and maybe that uh, gives him a chance to project even better for the NFL than he already does. Yeah. So my point is it's not unusual to find three cornerback types out there playing, the two that are playing corner and the guy playing cash. Mm-hmm. So yes, you, sir. Got, you got additional opportunities to earn playing time just because we play pretty much almost all the time with the nickel nickel personnel grouping. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm looking forward um, to earning my spot, working hard for all of it. Well, it won't come easy. You know, nothing Definitely. nothing worthwhile ever does come easy. Yes, sir. But it's there to be had. And I just always remind the guys, uh, just focus on trying to be a little bit better tomorrow than what you were today. Yeah. If, if you just make that little inch-by-inch improvement, you're going to end up as a great player. It's all there to be had, and I'm looking forward to watching you get that done. And I'm looking forward to having you over as a as a meal guest at our house. Sometimes we're not breaking any NCAA rules if I yes, invite you over infrequently. Yes, sir. So it Thank won't be you, all coach. the time, but it will be some of the time. That's for sure. Yes, sir. Definitely. Thank you, Coach. I really appreciate it. All right. Yeah, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't be prouder, and I'm also very proud of your parents because I know that both your mom and dad have done a great job of raising all you children. Yes, sir. Definitely. I've got uh, just a couple more questions for you, TJ, and we'll let you slide. I know you probably got some other things on your mind. But um, first of all, we, we talked about your strengths. And again, your length stands out on tape. But but what are your weaknesses? I want to ask you this question. What what do you still perceive? I know you've worked on things, but what do you still perceive as weaknesses that you are planning on really focusing on this spring? Um, weaknesses? Uh, probably, I'll say weight. Um Definitely could put on some more weight. Uh, that's just from working out or metabolism always going. But I'll say that. Jeez, um, really, I I feel like I feel like I don't really have any weaknesses. I feel like I have a lot of strengths, but obviously I can always improve on everything. But as far as I don't think, I, I don't think I confidence like is a weakness of TJ's, Don. I think he's got plenty of confidence. That's important. You got to believe in yourself. You know, you got to understand. I'll say it this way, TJ. Guys that are afraid to play the game, they're at a disadvantage. You know, you got to embrace the competition. And you got to have a, you got to have, you've heard it said, great cornerbacks have a short memory. They don't remember if they're, if they're beaten. They don't let it dwell, dwell on them. You know, they, they put it behind them. They learn from it. uh, And they tend to forget about it as quickly as, as possible. That's, there's never been a corner out there that hadn't been beaten a time or two. Yes, sir. The trick, of course, is not to let it happen very often. That's for sure. Yes, sir. Definitely. All right. Final thing, TJ. Goals. And I'm not talking. We can talk short-term goals. Maybe you got a a goal of helping somebody or doing something for the children's hospital. Those are great. But also personal goals, making it maybe to the next level. What are your your goals even after football? Um, you can go short-term or long-term. Um, short-term. Uh, first I'll just start with, with class, um, get the best grades I can in my class, at least, at least 3.0 and above. Um, then on the field, just stay healthy, uh, get bigger, stronger, faster, uh, get to know the playbook fast, get to know everything quickly. Um, so I can give myself the best opportunity to get on the field. And then I'll say long-term goals, or actually, you say it's short-term or long-term. As far as the team, I'll say definitely want to get back to the Big Ten championship. 
and win that with the team and then long term um get to the uh, nfl absolutely i think those are pretty good goals don't you think don those are lofty goals but they're all achievable yes sir they're all achievable and you got the coaches to to get you there i think don yeah. you'd agree with that <laughs> absolutely I, I tweeted out today i think phil parker is the most underrated defensive coordinator in the country and i think there's no question the most underrated defensive backs coach in the country i mean there's just no no yeah. question in my mind about that all right don anything else to to send tj off i know you'll see him soon but anything to to send him off with well let me let me ask you to do this Corey, if you will be sure that tj knows how to explain to his parents how to pull up this podcast because i'd like for your mom and dad to have a chance to observe you here on this particular interview yes sir definitely Absolutely. i'll send you the link uh, as soon as we're off tj Appreciate you, you jumping on with us this evening, and uh, w hopefully we'll get to talk uh, in a couple of years about uh, those goals you you uh, set out for us. Definitely, and thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. TJ, I look forward to seeing you soon. Coach, I look forward to seeing you too. Appreciate you too, Coach. You can tell just a great head on his shoulders. TJ going to make an impact, and the length at six foot one, six foot two, um, sort of like a Julius Brents. Now Brents had his bright moments, struggled, eventually went to Kansas State. Um, and had had a decent career down there. But I think TJ is going to make an impact. And we actually, there was a little bit more hype around TJ this spring than there was even Xavier Wampa. Now, I know they play different positions, but we know that Iowa has struggled at times staying healthy at cornerback. We know Riley Moss, Terry Roberts, Jamari Harris have all had their problems from an injury standpoint. Jamari Harris is going to probably miss that first game due to his recent OWI. There's an opportunity for a guy like TJ Hall or a Brandon Diaz Fernandez or a Deshaun Lee who will be a freshman or a Orlando Trader, high hopes for that young man. He would previously been committed to Washington and Arizona. He's a steal, and Iowa doesn't typically get a lot of kids athletic defensive backs from the West Coast. So congratulations to TJ being here and making an impact early this spring. Congratulations to Kirk Ferentz and the Iowa football coaching staff. A reminder to please visit Under the Kitchen on Facebook for authentic Hawkeye art. And, of course, subscribe to this channel. Please hit the like button on this video. It certainly helps me, helps the channel to grow. We'll talk to you soon.